Good morning, church. Go ahead and open up your Bibles to John chapter 10. Open those Bible apps. If you do not have a Bible with you this morning, just go ahead and put your hand up and our ushers will get you one to follow along in. We are studying the book of John together as a church right now and we want to continue in that study this morning. If you um, do not have a Bible and you're receiving one of the ones that the uh, ushers are bringing around, please feel free to go ahead and keep that Bible and take it with you if you do not have one of your own. Um, We would love to see all of us in the Word of God at all times, uh, just drawing out what he has for us there. All right, last week we set ourselves up for 2019 by looking at John 9, which is the story of the man who was born blind but was healed by Jesus. God stepped into some very difficult circumstances. The man had never been able to see, never. But Jesus changed everything, and he opened that man's eyes for the sake of God's glory. The opening of the man's eyes was a vivid picture of what Jesus was doing for the world right then. God was offering, through Jesus, new sight. We could now see God in the flesh. We could see truth. We could see the life that Jesus was offering us. We could see freedom, forgiveness, and grace. We could see God's plan and God's power on display because of what Jesus was doing. And we left with a question last week. As we looked ahead to 2019, we asked ourselves if there are any circumstances in our own lives that we'll offer to God for the sake of his glory being displayed in our lives. Not as a way to have our problems solved or the way, that they, the way that we think they should be solved. We offer our circumstances as a platform for God to display his glory in this world. So did you give that some thought? Will you? This challenges our faith because we don't know how God will use, how he'll choose to use our lives to display his glory. We don't know how. We have to trust him. And out of our love for God, we can willingly offer him our circumstances, our lives to him for his purposes, for his glory to be displayed in those circumstances. And that story took place somewhere in or near Jerusalem. Jesus was there at the end of last week's story. The man who had his sight given to him was there, and he had just given his life to Jesus. There were some Pharisees present. There were Jews there, including some who had become followers of Jesus. Jesus' disciples were there, and the ever-present crowd who were checking things out were there as well. And into this setting... Jesus spoke. So let's turn now to John chapter 10. We're going to look at verses 1 through 21 of John 10 today. Jesus gives us a beautiful and meaningful picture of who he is. And we have an opportunity before us this morning to make this very personal. And not just read through it and read over it and be detached from it, but make this personal. This is a good checkup regarding our view of God and our relationship with him. So watch and listen well, church. I love this passage. Jesus is going to give us as close to a parable as John is going to share with us in the whole book of John. And then he's going to explain um, what he's saying. He's going to expand on it for the sake of clarity. So follow with me through these verses. John chapter 10, verses 1 through 21. This is what John writes, and this is Jesus speaking. 
And he says, truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. And there was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, he is a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? All right, I want to take a look at this from four different aspects this morning, all components of the story that we just read. We'll look at the shepherd, the sheep, the arrangement, and the affirmation, and I'll explain what those mean as we go. So first of all, let's focus on the shepherd. Jesus identifies himself, for those who were there, as the good shepherd. And there was an instant connection for those people. This was a very common vocation. Everyone listening could instantly recall the image of a shepherd that they knew or a shepherd that they were used to seeing. There were shepherds all around them. It was just very familiar for them. Um, for the past couple years, I have had a somewhat different image come to mind in spite of my long history with shepherds and wanting to be one. Um, this is my recent history with shepherds. <laughs> this is my shepherd and part of her herd. And she reminds me daily of the role of a shepherd. She is obsessed with one part of the shepherd's role. This dog is a protector. Her name is Rubix, or Ruby for short, and she is, of course, a German shepherd. Ruby lives to keep the herd together. That's her job, and she knows it. She is not settled. 
unless the entire herd is accounted for, all five of us. And at the end of any given day, it's really quite funny to watch and very predictable. Once we get the boys in bed and things have settled down, she collapses. She's exhausted. She just drops to the floor and she's out because she's finally able to punch out. But she has been on the clock all day. She does not like it when the boys leave for school in the morning. She's far less concerned when I leave for work. She is devastated if Kim has to leave the home and go do something. It absolutely destroys her. When we take Ruby to the kennel and we leave for vacation and we drop her off there, she acts as if we are ruining her life, like we're abandoning her. She cannot handle it. She pulls the opposite direction. She, we take her there in the car, and she goes as far into the back corner of the car as she can get, as far away from us as she can get. So we have to drag her out of the car, and she loves it there. They're really good to her there, but she cannot stand being apart from us. And when we come back, um, she acts as if we've just restored her faith, and we didn't abandon her, and she completely spazzes out. She can do her job again. Even when, when someone comes home, when we, when we come in the door after running errands or something, there's this, this frenzy of welcome and affection because she can't stand it when she can't do what she believes she was created to do. She was born to shepherd. So I get to see this every day. But she doesn't come even close to the shepherd that's mentioned in John chapter 10. Each character barely scratches the surface of the character of Jesus Christ, the Good Shepherd. Jesus beautifully reflects the character of our triune God. He has a perfect relationship with his Father. The two are one, and that oneness is revealed to us in the way that Jesus showed us the Father and showed us himself during the time that he walked on this earth. Jesus, as a shepherd, answers to his Father. We've seen that highlighted in John already. The two of them execute their plan together in an act of love and devotion to his Father and to us. Jesus carried out the plan of the Good Shepherd 2,000 years ago, and what a plan it was. In our passage, we've seen at least three very different characteristics of our shepherd. In verse 11, we saw that the Good Shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And this is so meaningful. And this is where we have to immediately, church, make this personal. The good shepherd laid down his life for you. He laid it down for me. Our lives are more valuable to him than his own. He considered our lives worthy of exchanging his own life for. And he did not waver in his devotion to his responsibility as our shepherd. He gave his life for you and me, willingly. Secondly, the shepherd knows his sheep. Jesus said, I know my own, and my own know me. And when Jesus uses the word know, he's using a word that we've looked at before. In this sense, to know someone has a very intimate meaning. It refers also to the oneness that's experienced in a marriage relationship. That knowledge implies a very deep, deep love. Our relationship with our shepherd is intended to be based on that kind of love. 
unconditional, agape love, a self-sacrificing, generous love, a love that looks out for the other, a love that stands in the way of any threat that may present itself, that kind of love. When Jesus says he knows his sheep, he has that kind of love for his sheep, for you and me. Thirdly, this shepherd, besides being sacrificial and loving, is devoted to unifying his sheep. In the context of our passage, this was Jesus working to unify his church. The New Testament's filled with this amazing picture of God opening the doors of his heart and his family to welcome the Gentiles into eternal adoption. One flock, one shepherd, he says. It should be a reminder to us that We're a part of something much, much bigger than our individual selves. Yes, this is personal, but we each have a very personal place within God's massive plan. God reached out to unite Jews and Gentiles, and you and I benefited from that characteristic of our good shepherd. Uh, There's a, a classic book out there written by a guy named Philip Keller, and it's called A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23. Um, I connected with this book a long time ago. Keller describes the character of the Good Shepherd so well. This is what he writes. He was the most balanced and perhaps the most beloved being ever to enter the society of men. Though born amidst most disgusting surroundings, the member of a modest working family, he bore himself always with great dignity and assurance. Though he enjoyed no special advantages as a child, either in education or employment, his entire philosophy and outlook on life were the highest standards of human conduct ever set before mankind. Though he had no vast economic assets, political power, or military might, no other person ever made such an enormous impact on the world's history. Because of him, millions of people across almost 20 centuries of time, it is an old book, have come into life, into a life of decency and honor and noble conduct. Not only was he gentle and tender and true, but also righteous, stern as steel, and terribly tough on phony people. He was magnificent in his magnanimous spirit of forgiveness for fallen folk, but a terror to those who indulged in double talk or false pretenses. He came to set men free from their own sins, their own selves, their own fears. Those so liberated loved him with fierce loyalty. This is the character of the good shepherd. Let's move on to the sheep. We've looked at the shepherd. Now let's look at the sheep. Let's face it, sheep are needy creatures. They need constant oversight. Sheep are not wild, independent animals. They need someone to lead them. They need someone to rescue them. They even need to be cleaned by somebody else or they die. And the role of the shepherd in caring for these sheep is twofold. Shepherds protect and provide for their sheep. Think about some of the most common things that Jesus said to his followers. You often hear him saying, telling his followers, do not be afraid. They had nothing to fear. Their shepherd was with them. You heard him saying, do not worry. He would provide for them. They had nothing to worry about. Jesus was very aware of the presence of any and every kind of threat to his sheep. So he warned them and he took steps to protect them. And we've seen in the book of John how he dealt with false teachers, with the false shepherds, the ones who only came to steal and kill and destroy. But this was not new 
to Jesus' time and what God saw happening among his people, his sheep. The Bible gives us a long history of those who taught lies and led people astray. Backing up to the prophets, Isaiah wrote about Israel's false leaders in Isaiah 56, verses 10 and 11. Listen to this. He wrote, His watchmen are blind. They are all without knowledge. They are all silent dogs. They cannot bark, dreaming, lying down, loving to slumber. The dogs have a mighty appetite. They never have enough, but they are shepherds who have no understanding, and they have all turned to their own way, each to his own gain, one and all. Pretty harsh words that carried on through Jeremiah. Jeremiah spoke to them, spoke of them as well in Jeremiah 10, verses, verse 21, where he said, For the shepherds are stupid and do not inquire of the Lord. Therefore they have not prospered and all their flock is scattered. Harsh again. Ezekiel was also used to warn Israel in Ezekiel chapter 34, verses 2 through 10. This is so direct. This is so real. Listen to what, what comes through Ezekiel. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, thus says the Lord God, Ah, the shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves. Should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, and with force and harshness you have ruled them. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd, and they became food for all the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered. They wandered over all the mountain and on, on mountains and on every high hill. My sheep were scattered over all the face of the earth with none to search or seek for them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, declares the Lord God, surely because my sheep have become a prey and my sheep have become food for all the wild beasts, since there was no shepherd, and because my shepherds have not searched for my sheep, but the shepherds have fed themselves and have not fed my sheep, therefore you shepherds hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against the shepherds, and I will require my sheep at their hand and put a stop to their feeding the sheep. No longer shall the shepherds feed themselves. I will rescue my sheep from their mouths that they may not be food for them. God said a lot to the leaders of his people. It carried on into the New Testament as well. Later in the New Testament, we see John giving his own warning in 1 John 4.1. He says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. False shepherds have been around for a long time, and they will still be around for a long time. The sheep need to be protected. And can I ask you this? Have you ever prayed and asked God specifically to protect you from the false shepherds, from the false teachers, from the false prophets. The sheep, we, need protection and provision. 
And we have a good shepherd who promises to provide us not just with life, but with abundant life. He wants us to flourish. His provision takes us far beyond what's necessary to survive. God's provision is boundless. Now I want us to consider the arrangement that exists between the shepherd and his sheep. And it's very unique the way it's laid out in the Bible for us. Here's the humbling truth of it all. We belong to the good shepherd. He owns us. He is our shepherd and we are his sheep. We depend on him. He protects us and he provides for us. Jesus said that the sheep know his voice. And I got to see this up close with real sheep when we lived in Senegal. And I want, you to, I want to set the stage for you here for just what I saw. Um, this is one of many sheep markets in Dakar, Senegal. Um, one that I've been to and it was quite interesting because um, I realized I did not have any pictures of this market. I have stood in the exact spot where whoever took this picture took it. I've stood right there and just watched what happens in this market. And so I went online and I, <laughs> I just entered a sheep market in Dakar. And, and this is what I got, was a shot from right where I stood. So it was pretty cool to find this. Um, this is one of many, many sheep markets in Dakar, Senegal, in the capital city. Sheep are a very common source of food and a way for the Senegalese to save their resources. Uh, rather than having cash on hand or hiding cash somewhere, they don't have access to a lot of banks, um, they turn their cash into sheep. And then when they have a financial need, they sell a sheep to get resources to meet that need. So those who were looking to sell brought their sheep to a market like this, and the sheep from numerous owners, numerous shepherds, would be corralled into one big herd, and prospective buyers would gather around to select the sheep that they wanted to purchase from that group of sheep. And once a buyer selected the sheep, then the owner of that particular sheep had to remove his sheep from the herd. So guess what they did? The shepherd simply called his sheep. In the midst of a busy street in a big city and a whole flock of all kinds of different sheep from all kinds of different shepherds, that one shepherd calls his sheep and the sheep came straight to him. They knew his voice and they knew no one else's voice. They wouldn't respond to anyone else. Those of us who are sheep in Jesus' herd should know his voice. We should know the voice of the good shepherd. We don't follow another because that other doesn't have Jesus' voice. It's not Jesus. And we recognize that because we know Jesus' voice. And Jesus' voice is the voice of the one who protects us and who provides for us. This is a picture of the remains of an ancient sheep pen. The sheep that belonged to this particular shepherd spent the night in this pen, inside the walls of this pen. When the sun set, the shepherd would call them, he would call his sheep, and they would follow him as he led them into the pen for the night. And then he would lay down himself over the opening of that pen. And throughout the night, there would be no entering or exiting the pen without him knowing about it. That door went both ways. Protection of those sheep happened by the shepherd controlling the entrance 
to the pen. Provision took place as the shepherd led the sheep out of the pen and into lush pastures where he would provide for them. But they were his sheep, and he was their shepherd. This analogy is incredible to me. Um, God conceived it. Jesus made it possible and practical, and the Spirit in us makes it personal. Throughout God's history, the analogy has been there. God's people had been led by shepherds more than once. People like Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, and David, all shepherds by trade, all called to lead God's people. This was central to God's plan for his people. He was their shepherd, and they were his sheep. I'm going to ask you a series of questions as we wrap up our look at this passage. Um, It's one thing to talk about the imagery and the arrangement between the shepherd and his sheep. It's a completely different thing to affirm the personal nature of all this. And so I would ask that you internalize this as we go through the questions I'm going to ask you in just a minute. And I want to give you one more bit of relevant information, cultural context related to the ancient shepherds and their sheep. I was fascinated by this. Um, I want to take you way back to the time of Moses and then after that time when slavery was still practiced. Hebrew slaves had the option at some point, if their owner was willing to move in this direction, to officially become a part of the family that owned them. If an agreement was reached between the owner of the slave and the Hebrew slave, and that Hebrew slave was now going to become a part of that family, he was going to surrender himself willingly to that family, there was a ritual that took place. Uh, It wasn't really pleasant. The owner of that slave would take the slave by the ear to a doorpost and put the slave's earlobe up up against the doorpost and then take a hammer and a nail and pierce the slave's ear in a way that would mark that person as belonging to his owner's family, willingly. There was a mark that they had to bear. Now fast forward to Jesus' time and how the shepherds operated with their sheep. That particular flock, all those sheep, their ears were clipped in a very specific way that would mark them as belonging to that shepherd. So church, let me ask you this. Do you bear the mark of your shepherd? Do I? Do I really belong to him? Do I affirm his right to me? Do I find fulfillment in this arrangement? Do I seek his protection, his provision, his direction? Do I find rest knowing that I am his? Do I find excitement in belonging to him? Do I believe that I will flourish under his care? As a word of affirmation to our good shepherd, I I want to invite you to read with me out loud 
the famous shepherd psalm, Psalm 23. It's coming up on the screen. If you're willing to, please read this with me. This is Psalm 23. Let's read together. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Now, pause. Nope, I'm going to stop you right there. Because I don't want to miss this. I want to back up and I want to start again. I won't stop you again. But we have to mean this. We're not just reading something. And so when you read the fourth word in this statement, I want you to, in your heart and in your head, to mean this. I want you to to say, the Lord is my shepherd. He's your shepherd. He's my shepherd. Let's start over. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He's your shepherd. And he's committed to protecting you. And he's devoted to providing for you. An abundant life. I have a benediction for you today. It's found in Hebrews chapter 13. Verses 20 and 21. This is what the author writes. Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I want to invite the elders to come and prepare now for communion. I'm going to invite the worship team to come and take their place up here as well. And I want you to just mentally prepare yourself as you come to the table again. I want you to picture, to the best of your ability, your good shepherd, our good shepherd, In this passage in John chapter 10, Jesus mentioned the fact that the the good shepherd lays his life down for the sheep. And he did. This was the the earliest mention of of Jesus uh, by Jesus regarding his coming crucifixion. He was talking about the fact that he would lay his life down for his sheep. And through the giving of his life, he would now be the door. He would open and close that door. He would control who comes into God's family. And he would invite every one of us into his family. 
He would protect his sheep from the influence of false shepherds. He would lead his sheep out from there and provide for us a flourishing life, an abundant life, more than just what we need. And so the shepherd laid his life down for us and he went to the cross. Willingly, he gave his body, his body over to be sacrificed, to be tortured and crucified for us. Willingly, he allowed his blood to be shed for the forgiveness of our sins. As you come to the table this morning, come in remembrance of the shepherd, the good shepherd who laid his life down for his sheep, for you and me. Will you pray with me? Father, we come before you this morning uh, humbly to affirm the arrangement between our shepherd and his sheep. We come to affirm the fact that the Lord is our shepherd. We come to affirm the fact that we are his sheep, that we are your sheep. God, help us to grow in our ability to live in that reality. To live in that beautiful arrangement. Jesus Christ is our shepherd. We are his sheep. God, we come this morning to the table, to the communion table to remember together, to share in the remembrance of what Jesus Christ did for us in laying his life down for the sheep. We come to remember his body given for us, sacrificed for us, receiving the full punishment for sin. We come to remember his blood blood that was shed in so many places on his body for the forgiveness of our sins for the restoration of our relationship with you for the cleansing of our lives making us righteous again God we thank you this morning for the good shepherd Thank you for the gift that you gave us through him. For the freedom and forgiveness, grace and life that we now enjoy because the good shepherd laid his life down for his sheep. We thank you this morning for that good shepherd. And we pray this in his name, in the name of the good shepherd, in the name of Jesus Christ, your son. Amen.